I'm Kyle Northcutt. Welcome to the Kids Learn Career Show. Each week I ask a different person about their job so you can know what your options are out in the world. My guest today is Ben Broski, a software developer and volunteer firefighter. Ben, welcome to the show. Hey Kyle, thanks for having me. Thanks for being here. First off, can you tell me what a software developer is and what it's like to be one? Sure, that's a big question. Uh, so I I guess in a, in a general sense, I make applications. So I build, uh, me specifically, I build SaaS, so software as a service. I also do mobile applications and uh, websites and things like that. So it's a lot of the, the code and making things interactive and being able to communicate with users and stuff like that. So yeah, developing is writing code. Hmm. So what kind of things do you actually do day to day at work? day-to-day at work. So right now I work at a company called Precision Nutrition, which is a health coaching company. And so what I do is uh, I work with the product development team who has a bunch of strategic work that they want to do to deliver to our customers. And I figure out how we're going to build that and how we're going to deliver it and making sure that uh, it's functional, that it runs fast, that it does the things that they want to do, that it's accessible to our customers and stuff like that. So did you consider other jobs or careers before this one? And can you tell us a bit about the path you took to get here? Sure. So I was very interested in high school. I did uh, a lot of chemistry. Um, I ended up in my junior year in high school doing some independent study in chemistry. And so my intention was to go to college for chemical engineering originally. Uh, I was very interested in math and chemistry and the kind of STEM stuff. Um, but in my senior year, I was kind of ahead of the of in terms of the credits that I needed. So I took a bunch of art classes to kind of fill my time and I ended up really, really enjoying that. And uh, after, you know, towards the end of my senior year of high school, I decided that I was going to go into art instead. So I studied college. I studied uh, uh, interactive art, uh, video and uh, performance and drawing. So. Uh, That led me into doing design and kind of some interactive work. And that was when I got my first job out of college was working for uh, a company making uh, might, you might not know about the software, but it's called flash. So it's this old, uh, it's not really very common anymore, mostly used Mm -hmm. for games and stuff like that now. Uh, But I did a lot of flash stuff early on. And um, when it was called macromedia flash instead of Adobe Mm -hmm. uh, animate, I think it's called now. So Mm -hmm. So yeah, that was kind of the roundabout way and how I transitioned from um, chemistry to art and then design and programming. So I, you kind of talked about this in the previous question, but when did you first know you wanted to do this kind of work and how did you become a volunteer firefighter as well? Sure. Um, so in art school, I had a teacher who was a, he had an MFA from Princeton and he also had a he also had an engineering degree so he had this kind of mixture of visual arts performance and programming and I was kind of fascinated by that that he had this career that he could do artwork but also make it functional and meet like you know meet a user need so you know productize that art in the in a way that he was able to make money and in art school I started getting kind of concerned about my ability to make money and revenue from, uh, from artwork. And so I, sh- I started asking him questions and I was doing some, uh, I did an intro to robotics class at Case Western University during that time. And that was when I got uh, hooked on 
I like, oh, I can like make this, this, you know, this sculpture that I'm building rotate and, you know, and, and, and then I got interested in like, well, how would I save the, how would I save the state of the robot rotation in these servos? And that was when the teacher was like, oh, well, you're going to need to like, you know, write some code and maybe store it in a database. And so that was what got me kind of set on that. I, I need to, I need to figure out how to make these things work. So I was, I decided that I was going to teach myself how to program. Um, so I spent the whole summer that that year uh, learning PHP, which was my first programming language, and MySQL, which is a database, and making those things interact through this robotic sculpture that I made. And uh, yeah, so that was how I got really interested in programming. And then I got my first job doing some programming and design related stuff. And I, it's you know, it it was a perfect match for me. So, what do you like most and least about your job? Uh, what do I like most and least? Uh, I love solving problems. It, it scratches an itch uh, that I that really like when uh, we discover a bug, I really get excited and want to figure out like what's what's happening and do a deep dive on, you know, why why might it be broken? And, you know, being able to figure that stuff out is is really exciting to me, I think. Um and it's also the same thing that the, the thing that I like least about my job is when <laughs> is when things break mm-hmm. and you don't know why and you get frustrated and but you know it can be a challenge and fun challenge sometimes too. So yeah. Mm. So what level of education do you have? Was that required I, for your job? I don't think it's required for my job. Um, I, all of the stuff that I do now, I was self-taught. Uh, so I, I learned how to program and do all those things myself. My educational background is in fine arts, so I have uh, kind of an extensive uh, background in art history and a little bit of design and illustration and uh, um, and video production. So I think my education does benefit me in a lot of ways because I can look at things in a different way than a person who might have done computer science because they they have only the you know the functional programming and the math side of things and not as much the how it all fits together in some way. So I think that I've, as much as I sometimes think, oh, I could have, I could be a better programmer if I had um, a computer science background. I think I have a lot of different ways of looking at things that make me a really more round, uh, well-rounded employee. So I'm more of a generalist than your, your average programmer. So how much money would someone starting out in your field expect to make and what's the long-term income potential? Um, it's kind of, there's, there's no real cap. I think, um, I think when I first started out, uh, right now I live in Canada and when I, my first job, I got paid about $38,000 us as, uh, an interactive developer was my title originally. And I was the only developer at the company. So it was three, three founders who were creative directors and I kind of did all the website development and stuff like that. And yeah, throughout my career, I got up to like 75,000 and then, once I started my own company, that was where I started um, being able to to decide how much to charge for my services directly to my clients. Um, and I worked for agencies for a while, and they helped me, you know, build my client base. And then mm-hmm. I started basically doing my own work. Um, I had a few employees at one point in my previous company, and we, at one point, were generating around four hundred and fifty thousand dollars in revenue a year between wow. two two employees or so. So yeah, so I was paying myself probably at that time $150,000 US and then my, you know, my employees were I was also paying their salaries as well. So um yeah, so that uh that company allowed me to uh, I took a break 
about five or six years ago, and I spent a year building uh, a SaaS, which uh, that was kind of my full-time job. And during the SaaS, I went back down to about $30,000 a year because that was all the SaaS was earning uh, mm -hmm. for me. But I was building something that I'd never done before, and it was such a great learning experience. So I've had some crazy variance in my salaries over the years. Uh, from full-time jobs to doing, making a lot of money, full-time jobs, making a little bit and the same thing going on in my independent business. Um, yeah. So I think, you know, even some of the most high paying jobs in the industry are at places like uh, Netflix, where you have individual mm -hmm. software engineers that make an order of $500,000 a year. So it's a lot, a lot of money. Um, yeah. They pay a lot, but sometimes they have different payment structures where, you get paid a lot more, but there's no ownership in the business. Whereas a lot of other companies, you might get paid less and you receive some kind of equity or stock or ownership in the company that pays you more over time. Um, so there's different ways. Uh, so yeah, I think starting out probably these days is probably in the, you know, 40 to 60 range for, you know, first out right, right out of college and, and just learning. And, and then you can, you know, they have different pay ranges at different companies. This episode is sponsored by Kids Green Team, a business startup kit I created with my friend Micah. Here's the problem we learned about that we couldn't ignore. Your city doesn't recycle plastic grocery bags, shipping air pillows, bubble wrap, and other plastic like that. Whether you throw them in the trash yourself or put them in your curbside recycling bin, they're headed for a landfill, or worse, the ocean. But that's where my friend Micah and I come in. We've built an entire course to teach kids like us how to turn this unnecessary waste into a successful business, profitable from month number one. Check it out at kidsgreenteam.com. Let's do some good together. Okay, now back to the show. So how much free time do you have? Like, do you work a traditional 40-hour work week more or less? And how much uh, time do you spend firefighting? Oh, yeah. Um, so, yeah, so I right now I have a 9-to-5 job. Um what I've been doing during the pandemic is I take Fridays off. So I'm not really taking long vacations. So I work a four day work week right now. So yeah, um, I, um, my, I actually did that when I was doing homeschool. I took Fridays off. Nice. Yeah. yeah. Really nice. Yeah, it's great. You, I think you I personally, I think that you need more than two days of rest to, to mm -hmm. be ready to do your best work. So, yeah. you know, my, my feeling is that I think we could actually do better work by taking more time off. And so mm -hmm. like, I think a four day work week might be, I know they're, they're thinking about doing that in, in Europe in some places and uh, some companies do that by default, which is really interesting. So I work about uh, right now I'm working 30 to 40 hours a week. And then the firefighting stuff, I'm on call 24 seven. So, uh, mm -hmm. I have a pager, my pager, mm -hmm. when that goes off, I respond to the fire hall down the road and uh, I jump on a truck and we do, uh, we do medical calls, we do car accidents and we do firefighting. And so we just started practicing again. Uh, we, most of us are almost hundred percent vaccinated now. And so we're able mm -hmm. to go back to in-person practices with, uh, mm -hmm. you know, our full protocols, but Practice is two hours a week. And I think last year we had about 120 calls. So a call can last anywhere from, you know, five, 10 minutes to an hour to four hours to a whole day. Mm -hmm. uh, so I think, you know, all told, I probably went to about 80 calls. So, you know, it's, it's a lot of, it's a lot of, uh, it's a lot of time, but mm -hmm. uh, I, I enjoy it so much that I, I'm happy to spend the time doing it. So yeah. Um, my long-term goal in life is to 
move towards building software for firefighters and for that space so that I can, I can bring those two worlds together. So the things that I love doing, which is building software and solving problems and like, and the, uh, the volunteer work. So. Hmm. So what advice do you have for young people considering what you do for a good job? Uh, for a good job. Um, hmm. I think, I mean, for me, and this is very anecdotal, but I think having a really wide array of experiences is really valuable. So don't think that you need a computer science or engineering background to do this type of work. Uh, what it really takes is, you know, a lot of times is the resources and the dedication to, to trying things and failing and, you know, trying to build something, you know, if you see something that you find interesting, like you could think, uh, could I make something that would support that or would be similar to that? So definitely an interest in play and, uh, and things like that is, is really valuable. Um, and in terms of like education, uh, you know, I'm very happy that I went to a liberal arts school and got a very wide array of experiences and, you know, in terms of literature and, and uh, different language studies and things like that. Those things all really contribute to a, a well-rounded experience mm -hmm. and allow you to work well with other people. And, and when you're working on your own and, and helping clients out, it allows you to communicate better. It allows you to make better, uh, you know, if, you're, if you get into marketing and sales, you're able to sell your work better. Um, that's one of the, tr that's one of the tricky things about something like an art school is a lot of times you end up graduating without a real understanding of how business works and how to sell and market yourself. And so you can be doing amazing artwork, but nobody knows about you and you can't earn a living from your work. So mm -hmm. I think having those experiences are great and doing what you're doing now, you're, you're interested in how the world works and how people work and, and how they talk and, and what they're doing. And so, you know, starting this early is going to be invaluable for you. Cause you're getting all this information about different people and how they do their, how they run their lives and how they work. Um, so that, you know, that interest in what's happening in the world is, is, is super valuable. Mm -hmm. So this one is borrowed from Tim Ferriss, a best-selling author and one of the top podcasters in the world. What is one of the best or most worthwhile investments you've ever made? Hmm. That's a good one. I, I think honestly, it's the firefighting volunteering. I've been doing it for almost mm -hmm. five years now. And, uh, and uh, I've learned so much about because, because there's so many different types of people that come to volunteering, you have people from completely different socioeconomic backgrounds and, and, and their ways of looking at the world is so different. And, but what unifies everyone there is this, this desire to help people and to, and to do service and and that kind of civic duty i think has really changed the way that i see the world and and i see people um and so i'm always looking to discover when i meet people uh like what are they what are they struggling with what are their needs and i try to you know i'm trying most of the stuff that i'm doing lately is is trying to be a better active listener and you know try to be empathetic and things like that so i think in terms of my ability to work with other people, there's nothing that's been more influential in my life than, than to do public service. Um, and it makes me feel great. You know, it's, it feels good to help people. There's a, you know, there's a practical scientific thing that happens in your brain when you've helped somebody out, it feels really good. And, mm -hmm. and, you know, that, you know, that that's really rewarding to know that you've, you know, saved a person or helped a person. Um, so yeah, I think that's probably the most impactful investment I've made. So volunteering thumbs up. Mm -hmm. 
<laughs> so was there a time in your life where you felt like you completely failed at something but ended up helping later on in life? Yeah, definitely. Like the that moment where in art school where I thought I'd made a mistake and like I'm never I'm not going to be able to to have a career and make money. Um, but the, those things that I thought were disadvantages, not having the, you know, the, the science and, and programming background that a lot of other people had end up being a huge, a huge benefit to my career prospects. Um, so, yeah, I think that that would be the key one for me. So is then there a person in your life, like a parent, grandparent, teacher, coach, or mentor that made a huge impact on you? If so, in what way? And would you like to give that person a quick shout out? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mentioned that uh, the engineer and uh, performance artist um, in college, his name was Yanni Essios. Um, and he was incredibly impactful in terms of like, recontextualizing my understanding of art and performance and, and production art um, and this deeper understanding of being able to know that I can make a living from, from that type of work and the creativity. Um, going further back, my, my chemistry teacher, Mary Way, was in, in high school, was incredibly impactful for me. She was uh, very good at noticing, I think, that I was maybe a bit of a troublemaker, but she was able to put stuff in front of me that like, you know, that met the, met the needs that I, you know, um, in terms of the things that I was showing interest in. So she was very good at creating a curriculum for me uh, individually as a student. Um, and that an adult that was seeing me for who I was and seeing the skills I had, even though I was struggling, I think that kind of, um, that kind of attention is incredibly impactful at that age. You know, I was like 15 years old. Um, and so that made me think, you know, uh, like, okay, there's some cool adults that, you know, are, are looking out for you and they, and they don't, you know, she wouldn't tolerate me, you know, talking back to her and stuff. So mm -hmm. that kind of strong, uh, strong, uh, you know, willed person I really identify with. And I think my mother is similar to that where she's very much like she doesn't take, and she is a, you know, hard worker and does a really good job at her, at her job. And that I think from those women early on is where I developed a really strong work ethic. Uh, and my father is a lot like that as well. So yeah, my parents and, uh, and those teachers were incredibly impactful to my life. So knowing what you know now, would you have done anything differently growing up? Hmm. Probably not. Hmm. <laughs> So what's the best advice you have for young people who want to be successful in life and in their work? Stay curious, uh, ask a lot of questions and never feel that you have uh, never feel shame for not understanding something or being mm -hmm. interested in something, you know, just because somebody says you shouldn't be interested in a thing doesn't mean that that's true. You know, you, you should follow whatever you really desire to be, to learn more about. And, uh, yeah. And then, you know, coupling that with thinking about how can I follow the things that I'm passionate about, but also make, make it possible for me to earn a living from that. Cause, cause both of those things are not, you can't really succeed without, you know, figuring out where it fits into, you know, the capitalist, um, you know, that, that dynamic that you have to earn money to eat and live. And, uh, mm -hmm. but also that desire to be creative and make things, um, so finding that balance is really important. 
Awesome. Thanks, Ben. Now it's time for the joke of the day. Why shouldn't you trust trees? I don't know. Why shouldn't you trust trees? Because they're kind of shady. <laughs> yeah, they're always leaving you hanging out to dry, huh? <laughs> Thanks again for joining us on the Kids Learn Career Show. Don't forget to subscribe to the show and tell your friends. See you next time.